The Mix Coalition, a community of musicians, producers, and engineers uniting to create and release great records. Become a member today by visiting themixco.com. We look forward to having you as part of our growing team. Hey everyone, today we're here with Blake from Mercury Mastering. Hey Blake, how you doing? Good man, how are you? Great, thanks. So you're the owner and lead engineer at Mercury Mastering. Let us know a little bit about your studio and what you do. Sure, so uh, I started Mercury Mastering. Actually, it's kind of a funny story. I was doing mastering by myself and with other studios uh, for four or five years or so, and I just got so many complaints about people wanting to uh, do file transfers and handling payment and revisions and so forth. So I just decided to set up like a simple site at the time to uh, facilitate all of what I was already doing. And I just figured, hey, well, you know, since I'm setting it up already, I might as well, you know, make it legit and and uh, facilitate more than just that. Facilitate maybe like a little bit of what I do in my resume in my studio and Ever since then, it's sort of turned into this new thing where I'm, I've kind of got a bit of the pie that I didn't realize was there, which was uh, the online community as well as other referrals. And so that's sort of how that all got started. But yeah, day in, day out, I am just go to my studio and see what I have to do and master all those things, get in communication with all the artists or producers and just do that day in and day out. Okay, cool. So you started off as a recording and mixing engineer first. Do you find yourself doing this type of work anymore? Yeah. Um, so I I know a lot of mastering dudes who uh, just, they've dabbled in recording and stuff, but their main thing is mastering. I'm kind of the opposite. <laughs> I've I uh, started off doing mostly recording. I mean, grunt work to producing records start to finish. And so um, it's cool when I get when I get files and stuff and, and hear songs from start to finish, I actually take myself back to, you know, what were they thinking when they were recording this? Cause that's sort of like my understanding of all this. So that's what, uh, I guess got me going to think about, you know, mastering in terms of, you know, Hey, well maybe getting a bigger picture of the whole process is, is what I'm really good at or what I really enjoy the most. And so, um, I'd still do this from time to time. I have, you know, uh, different artists or, or producers who like to work with me and I'll produce from start to finish. And it's great because I get to keep mastering in mind when I'm miking the drum set, you know. And I don't think many people are thinking that far ahead, but I like to always get the, the bigger picture of it all. And for all the gearheads out there, could you let us know about some of your prize and go-to gear? Sure. Um, it's kind of a funny question because I can't tell you how many emails or phone calls I get saying, Hey, what are you going to run my gear th or run my stuff through? What gear are you can run my stuff through? And it's, uh, it's like, well, if you don't want to work with me, just tell me, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's, so it's kind of like a, a two edged sword in that regard. But, um, so I always push back and say, you know, it, it totally depends on what it's, what, what's needed, you know? I mean, I'll tell you, there's some things I do where it's like, you know, this doesn't need much or it just needs a de-esser or whatever. But then there's, there's the real good recordings that you can tell they spend a lot of time on and they just really need some good mastering. And 
I do have some go-to things to assuming that I don't need to fix anything. Um, I love the Kush uh, Clarifonic uh, EQ. It's sort of like a harmonic EQ. So when you boost up high, it doesn't sound like you're just, you know, grabbing a, a knob on a board and, and boosting the gain. It's I don't know what it does. It's just like this magical harmonic EQ. Uh, love Pultex stuff um, in terms of handling the high and low end. Uh, in terms of compressors and stuff, you really can't go wrong with um, API 2500. That's sort of like my go-to um, rock compressor, if you will. And then uh, I switch between that and an SSL stereo compressor. The SSL is more of a glue and not necessarily handles the character of it. you know. And I know there's going to be a lot of SSL freaks out there who might get on my tail for that, but... That's just how I approach it, and I, I, I use SSL more of an acoustic glue, I guess, and something that isn't really pumping. It's just something that needs glue, and then the API for for um, big transient things, like a lot of kick, a lot of snare, uh, something more aggressive. So hopefully that sort of um, tickles the gearhead's ears a little bit. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely should. Um Okay, cool. So in my experience, mastering is one of the most misunderstood processes when it comes to making a record. Could you maybe briefly explain, um, you know, basically what mastering is to someone who may have never done it before? Totally. So I look at it as a high level view of the whole recording. And the way I've heard it described best to me is if you're writing a book, and you have all the content's there, and you have um, it even edited, and it the, the formatting correct, and you're you're about ready to go to publishing. You send it to an editor to do an overlook on the whole thing. Say something's you know spelled wrong on this page, the the editor will go back and say you know you need to fix this because this isn't my job. And so they fix it, and then they come back and they go you know. Let's set up the first couple pages, all those weird blank pages in the front of a book that nobody understands. <laughs> uh, and then there's, you know, the formatting and and making sure it all flows so one sentence doesn't end up on one page and reworking it so it really is a nice final product. And so it's a high-level view of it. It really doesn't get into what mic you used for um, the vocals. I mean, although I'm thinking that, it uh, doesn't address those things. It really is a high-level view. So taking, say, 12 songs and doing a sonic overview on them all. One song's bass heavier. You know, you make you don't necessarily fix that. You just make it fit with the rest of the tunes. And then, of course, ISRC coding and fading and all that. But the way I've, you know, it's kind of a something that a lot of people are scared to touch and they don't really want to touch. And I'm a... Uh, I've become really comfortable with it to where I can um, not only do it, but also try to help people understand what it is and explain it as, as best I can. Okay, great. Now, myself as a mix engineer, a lot of times I like to touch base with uh, the person that recorded the record, whether it was the artist or um, the engineer that, that handled the, the recording. As a mastering engineer, do you, do you ever like to work with the mix engineer if the track needs adjusting before you do your part? Oh, totally. Um, in fact, if I can get that chance, like I'll ask for it. I'll, I, if any of you guys 
have used my site before or have or will or want to you will get to the part where um you know i'm gonna push back and and tell you to try different things and so a lot of mastering guys will say you send something off you sort of it goes into like magic space land and you don't really know what happens to it and then you get your tracks back and never really hear from what you know what what was going on did you like my mix what's happening and so i uh i'm always i always err on the side of i'm not going to fix your mix i'm going to make what you did better and if there's things that you can do to make the mix better i'm going to give you that perspective at a high level view so that when you send it back to me again uh, i'm just taking care of the icing on the cake so 100 percent of the time if i can I will work really closely with the mixing engineer. And even if it's an artist, I'll I'll say, you know, I, I get what you're hearing or get what you're saying and, and what you want, but give me your give me your producer's number, your mixing engineer's number, and pick their brain a little bit and try different things. It it may be certain things like, hey, I over the whole whole album I have a little notch out at two point five K or whatever to get rid of that harsh electrics. Could you just go ahead and do that so I don't have to do that on the whole track? And most of the time, they're happy to do that. And for whatever reason, there's this like respect for mastering guys, uh, which they'll sort of just, sure, yeah, whatever you say. And so uh, that makes my job a little easier. But yeah, absolutely, I love to keep in touch with the mixing mixing engineer. Okay, great. Uh, so switching switching gears a bit with the long with with the ongoing debate on the loudness wars, could you explain why dynamics in a song is so important? Um, have you noticed a shift in how loud today's music is from a few years ago? Totally. That's like such a great question because uh, whenever anybody thinks mastering, they think loud. And I hope you've noticed that I haven't even discussed this yet because I don't look at it as that's what mastering is. Of course, it's a part of it, but um, I look at it more as a sonic uh, treatment of it. But yeah, I mean, over the years, I haven't been around that long, but I've listen to uh a lot of the old zeppelin records and nirvana stuff and there's just headroom you know and there's there's times in songs where you turn down you know your your stereo because it's too loud and then you turn it up because it's too quiet and i know it's kind of pretentious but i i like doing that because um it's sort of it brings you more of a journey through through the the actual song itself it's kind of weird that a technical aspect of production can actually influence how you listen to music on a creative level. But, um, yeah, there's absolutely a loudness war and, um, it's something I have to consider. I won't necessarily make everything as loud as it possibly can get. And a lot of people will push back on me for that and, you know, and we'll try to compromise. But, uh, when people think loud, they, they just want it to compete. And I hate that. I just hate that they're trying to compete with everything. It's, there's different kinds of loud. There's low end loud. There's the harsh loud. And I mean, I've mastered acoustic songs with no drums or anything that sound louder than some of the metal stuff because I'm not squashing everything and and there's stuff sitting in the higher register, you know? So, uh, it's really more, it's not necessarily more about, you know, decibels. It's more about like, what are your frequencies doing? Do you have a lot of harsh frequency if so it's going to be louder and you can kind of use that you know if there's a song that's sounding really scooped and they want it louder instead of just trashing it up and putting it through the level or even more 
I'll uh, I'll uh, rearrange the frequencies to where it sounds louder, but it's not necessarily louder. You know, I'll I'll get more out of my upper mid range than I would normally do, just to make them happier for their loudness war thing, and I'll still be able to uh, go to sleep at night knowing I didn't hit the limiter as hard as everybody else is. So hopefully that adds a little bit more clarity in terms of the loudness war thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. And to kind of build off of that or to kind of add to that, if you ever get a song that was mixed without a dynamic range, let's say it's an issue with the range in the mix. Is there anything you can do to bring that back in the master or like, are there any other creative techniques that you sometimes apply when you're working on a record? Right, right. Uh, well, short answer, no, but I would like to say that there are some things that I like to do to kind of combat that. So if I get something that's already kind of slammed or they they had good intentions and it just so happens that everywhere down the line, they were using a compressor, you know, kick drum, snare drum, overheads, and now they want to compress the whole drums and then add the guitars and bass and then they compress those and well, why not make an instrument bus and compress those as well? And then the vocals, uh, there's compression going in and compression, you know, in the box afterwards and then making a vocal bus with compression. And then before you know it, everything's compressed and you have headroom, but it's all compressed, you know? Uh, I see that so often. And, and what I like to do is, kind of going back to that previous question, is I like to push back and say, do you still have the original session if so could you please take off some of that um bus compression you know um obviously if it's crucial like if you're doing somewhat of an extreme drum sound or something i totally get that but if it's just for the sake of compression uh it's kind of foolish to 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 approach it in that in that way but but you know what there's are some creative things i've done before where you know they don't have the session anymore and this is the only file they have and they have a little bit of headroom and it's kind of slammed what I like to use is a lot of transient designers, um, just to at least bring back some of the kick and snare. And if you can do that, I mean, there's your punch, you know. So I'll use the extra headroom to to bring back that. And although that's kind of doing a mixing engineer's job, I I again like to take on that role because I'm thinking of it as not only a mastering guy but a recording engineer as well. So. That's kind of a little trick I like to do. And there's a couple great transient design designers out there, but they all do practically the same thing. Okay, great. So what kind of projects do you get most excited about? Uh, I would say, hands down, things that are organically sounding great. So maybe a, a, a better way to answer this is to say what I don't get excited about. <laughs> what I don't get excited about is... Um, you know, stock drum loops with the stock keyboard thing and a poorly recorded vocal and it's slammed and there's there's just no artistic value in that. And uh, whenever when it's the exact opposite, I get really excited. So if there's stuff with a lot of headroom and you can tell that they recorded the drums live or even if they're using electronic stuff, they're well thought out sonically and uh, anything that's just like, recorded so well i get so stoked on so a lot of a lot of people will um kind of send you smiley face uh scooped mixes and that that kind of defeats the purpose of what i'm doing because ultimately that's uh what a lot of people are out there doing on the master again they're making a big 
you know, scoop on the EQ spectrum. But when I get something organic and really well recorded and it's kind of a frowny face, a lot of like lower mid-range stuff, I get stoked on that because um, the gear I'm working with and the stuff I like to do is handles a lot with, with a lot of the nice high-end and low-end. So um, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm the best mastering guy when it comes to garage band loops because I sort of get disheartened <laughs> but uh if it sounds good and it's recorded well and people have spent some time getting great organic sounds then then I'm just really stoked on that cool now do you have any interesting upcoming projects you could let us know about sure um I recently just did uh um, an album for actually a deceased rapper named uh, Pimp C. And uh, what ended up happening was the producer contacted me and wanted to work with me because I have I have um, quite a bit of experience in the hip-hop world. And what ended up happening with this album is they got a lot of uh, really great rappers and producers from all different studios, all different cities, and recorded these tracks to pimp C's tracks that they already had and what ended up happening was one song sounded completely different sonically from the other song so it was sort of like me putting together a compilation album I don't know if you get if like anybody remembers those like the record label compilation albums you know with like all the different bands that they have it, it was sort of like that to where it all sounded different sonically but it had the same voices on it and so it was kind of a challenge for me but it was also fun because uh, just in honor of this, um, of Pimp, of Pimp C, and as well as just the different producers that were on it, um, that was that was really fun. Uh, and one record to look out for that I'm looking forward to is actually a really good friend of mine. His name is Jared Evers. Uh, we recorded that live from start to finish, uh, little overdubs, and I, I was able to be in the process of the of recording, mixing, and mastering, and so I'm I'm really proud of it. So look out for that by the end of the summer. Um, I don't know what what he's calling his album, but I'm sure we'll post a link sometime soon once it's done. Hopefully, <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for joining us today, Blake. We're excited to have you as part of the Mixco team. Is there anything else you would like to add before we close for today? Yeah, I'm I'm just really excited to be part of mixed coalition i know that there's a bunch of great engineers and uh, editors and people who are willing to invest all the years that they've acquired for experience and and working with different artists to pour into one uh coalition is just the greatest thing ever and i'm so excited i get to be a part of it and uh hopefully be helpful to the uh recording and mixing community okay well Thank you again, Blake. Cool. Thanks so much, Brian. Uh, I'm really stoked for all this, and uh, hopefully it went well. 